0: Well, for the second time on the Honky Tonk Time Machine Airways, we have Jody Messina joining us. Not only is it great to have her back on for the first time in almost exactly two years, but it'll also be great to have her back in the area as she'll be performing at the Lincoln Theater in Belleville, Illinois, coming up on August 26th. Jody, it's a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having
0: me. <laughs> yeah, and you know, last time we talked, it was still COVID lockdown time. Since then, you've been able to get out. You've been able to do some shows. You're coming to our area soon. How's it felt to be back in the swing of it?
1: Oh my gosh, grateful, very grateful. The crowds are just huge. They're huge <laughs> and enthusiastic. I know, they're enthusiastic and every show is a blast. And then a band walks off the stage and they're like, geez, this is like, so fun. <laughs> i like, yeah, it should be.
0: Absolutely, it should be fun. And you in particular have been, I guess, critically acclaimed for putting on an enthusiastic and energetic show. But this one obviously is in more of an intimate setting. How might that differ from a typical Jodi Messina concert?
1: No, we played there not long ago. We actually saw Spider-Man in the movie theater upstairs. <laughs> um But um, I share, share stories with people and have sometimes, you know, chat back and forth with the audience. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> but it's a real intimate, you know, setting there, so that's easy. But we try to put energy into it. The songs themselves have a lot of energy, so... That adds, That helps,
0: though. They really do. And another thing that might add some energy is your name has been in the country music news cycle lately, thanks to Cole Swindell recording She Had Me at Heads Carolina, which, of course, takes from your debut single quite a bit.
1: Um, <laughs> quite a bit, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you know before the rest of us that that song was going to be released? And if not, what did you think when you first heard it on the radio? I
1: did. Know about it? Um, the songwriters of "Head Carolina" Tales "California" had texted me and said, "Hey, I just wanted to make you aware that this is going on," and so they wanted to, um, you know, just so I wasn't like blindsided by it. <laughs> so <laughs> they, uh, and then after it was put on the record, um, Cole reached out, and so we've been kind of bantering back and forth since then. But um, but I didn't know about it beforehand, no. But it's all good. It's all good.
0: <laughs> he does a great job on it. In fact, he's actually going to be in DeCoin the same weekend you're in Belleville. So that's kind of neat. But not that Heads Carolina, Tails California ever really went away. It certainly is seeing a resurgence in popularity because of Cole.
1: Yeah. it's We're getting over. That song alone, I think, is getting over like a million streams a week. Heads Carolina, the original.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
1: crazy. Uh, so, it's, yeah, we're kind of having a whole new life and, and, um, you know, again, it adds excitement to the show and, um, you know, Cole and I will riff back and forth. You know on our Instagram or Facebook or whatever so it's just it's, it's a really fun time
0: and you're in the music video with Cole you play the bartender which I think is awesome one thing I'm not sure of though is if that's your voice or not that's kind of being sampled in his song it's kind of faint to start the song out is he sampling your original song there is that your voice
1: That—that that, no that's not me that's not you really <laughs> Oh, no, that's not me. But they would have they had to gotten the approval of my record label okay. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> um, so it's supposed to be a girl singing. Edge Carolina, at karaoke, and that's what it... Is. So some people, my, my own niece called me up, and she's like, is that you? I'm like, no. I'm like, no, no, that's not me.
0: <laughs> well, that makes sense when you consider what the song is about, but I just assumed it was you. Turns out I was wrong.
1: <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day it will be me. Okay. <laughs> On there. But um, from what, what I was told, it was so fast. Like, they had to get the song done so fast, because it was an afterthought, the record was done, and then they decided to add this last minute. Well, the funny story behind that is, Heads Carolina, my record was done. And then the writers played me heads Carolina Tales California, and it was an afterthought. We went in after the record was done and cut it. The same thing that Cole did with She Had Me at Heads Carolina. Wow. So that's kind, of a, that's kind of a cool, you know, little coincidence there.
0: That is pretty cool. And, and I've heard you tell this story before that um... – Obviously, your record was done, but also, I think the, maybe the first verse was different, and you had to change that to fit kind of what you related to. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I never, like, I didn't like to sing things that I didn't relate to. And so, yeah, the first verse was, um should have known it the day they shut that paper mill down. There'd be no future for us no more in our little town. I've got people in Austin. And so they changed
0: it to Baby What do you say we just get along? Whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> another song. <laughs> th- yeah. That original line was, was pretty specific to the writer's point of view and, and you made it to where not only it's yes. relatable to you, but you kind of broadened it out a little bit to where it's relatable to a lot of people now.
1: Everybody. Yeah. Everybody, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. And what I love about interviewing Jody Messina is is she sings to us. So that's always good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love- Thing.
0: <laughs> it is. Of course it is. And that's nothing new for you, interpreting a song and making it your own. You know, not long after we talked two years ago, I interviewed your friend, Phil Vassar, and he told me that you're actually one of the best at doing that, getting a song from a songwriter and making it inexplicably you.
1: Well, I used to, because I, I just chose songs that I could relate to. That's why. So, like, here's a song. I passed off a song called I Hope You Dance, right? You know that song, right? Oh, yeah. Amazing Fantastic song, amazing hit Beautiful job Leanne Womack did on that Well, Leanne Womack had little kids So she could relate to that song, right? Well, they're grown now But she could relate to that song I didn't have any kids So I'm like, I don't get it (laughs) Now I get it But I didn't then So I passed on it And people are like, you're crazy And I'm like, yeah, but I don't understand it I don't have that experience And so I always, you know, kind of gravitated towards songs that I could relate to
0: was there ever any regret for that, or do you still kind of no, stand by your decision? No
1: way. No way. She did such a great job. I mean, yeah, you know, I love I love it. I just love her record.
0: It's hard to picture it from, from anyone else, but I guess you got to stay true to you, right? Well,
1: you try. You try it the best you can in the music. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people in there saying you should do this, and you should play that, and you should wear this, and you should, you know what I mean? So you try to... To stay true to yourself, that's
0: for sure. Another song that I think is along those lines that you did record was Stand Beside Me, and I thought maybe that yeah. one could have been someone else's. I, I thought maybe Faith Hill or somebody like that uh, yeah, maybe passed yeah. on that. Oh my gosh, you,
1: you do remember. Yeah, she did pass on it, and so I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she did. Thank you, Faith. Because I want a man to stand beside me, not in front of her mind. It's pretty literal, you know what I mean?
0: I suppose that also means your give a damn is, in fact, busted.
1: <laughs> That's so funny.
0: And you're definitely doing all right, too. All right, so let's go back to the beginning, then. You kind of jumped on the scene there in the mid to late 90s. I know you were born in Massachusetts, but fill in the gaps in between. How you, how'd you get started? What made you want to do it?
1: I started singing when I was about 13. I was playing out in clubs, kind of like restaurants that had a stage. And so my mom would take me out to play, and I knew that I wanted to sing. I loved to sing. I always sang professionally. I um, started doing it professionally when I was 13. I was in a band with my brother and my sister. And then we hired a guitar player, and I played through high school. And then after we graduated and everybody else went off to college, I decided to move to Nashville and try to get a record deal.
0: So, growing up outside of Boston, you know, how prevalent was country music in your youth? Was it something that you listened to quite often?
1: I was exposed to all kinds of music. Um, and so, and I still listen to all kinds of music. But uh, the stuff that, that I chose to sing and perform was strictly country. And then, as I, you know, became older, <laughs> once I became older, like, you know, when I was 14, um, I decided. <laughs> you know, that was really what I loved, because country music talked about my life and what I was going through, and you know, a teenage girl, and oh my gosh, someone else understands the way I feel, and you know, so I gravitated towards that, and that's kind of why I chose country as a format.
0: All right, so that being said, who did you enjoy listening to the most as you were growing up?
1: Oh gosh, when I was little, it was um, Reba McIntyre and The Judge in Alabama, and- I think William's Jr. <laughs> All those guys are out when I was little.
0: Now, where does Dottie West fall in there? Because when 1999 rolled around, you decided to cover her number one song, Less Than Leaving, and you did well with it.
1: Well, you know, she was out um, before uh, she was out before then, and but that song was brought back in a, in a story about her life. And Tim McGraw and I um, had both seen it, not together, but at the same time we watched it at our houses and We were in the studio at the time, and he's like, man, you know, did you see that Dottie West story? And I said, yeah. And he's like, that song, Less Than Leaving, that sounds like you. And so we went back and listened to it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it does, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's how we decided on cutting that one.
0: It's funny, because when I heard it at the time, I was probably a, a... A young teenager. I didn't even know that Dottie West had recorded first. I thought that was a Jody Messina song, and I thought the same thing. It's like, yeah, that's that's Jody Messina. So it wasn't until later that I found out that Dottie did it first. <laughs>
1: I know. Well, I wasn't around when she did it, but um, but you know that that her life story really brought that back to being current. And I was just like, yeah, that's cool, man. Let's do it.
0: So you make it to Nashville, and your your first single heads Carolina, tails California. It does so well for you; it ends up being a huge hit, and, and you have arrived. What was that time like when uh, when you had a song out on country radio for the first time?
1: It was surreal um, because I had always listened to country radio, and other people were on it. To be played on radio was like the pinnacle of. My lifelong dream, you know what I mean. So it was real. It was surreal. And then I don't think, as an artist, in that point in your career, you ever think you made it. You get to play in the game, and then you keep trying to keep stay in the game and stay in the game. At that point in my life, now looking back at that, um, I think it was hard to grasp because life itself was moving so fast at that point. First time your first single comes out, you're already like touring in the midst of radio tours, interviews, uh, appearances autograph sessions you know what i mean and and it's chaotic and i almost wish you could slow down the clock you know what i mean it was you never got a moment to you never got to be in that moment you were always looking ahead what's the next single what's the next record what are we going to record where are we going to put this one when are we going to release it
0: sure and things are going so fast in fact that you had a pretty prominent artist actually want to cover that song right away i understand garth brooks was interested in covering it
1: <laughs> I was devastated Oh goofy kid I was but um, anyway in the kindness of his heart he didn't let it go at that point in time he <laughs> let me have it was my only like single and so I was like oh my gosh you know my career will be over because no one will ever remember I recorded it
0: you see, I didn't realize that the way the article read, I thought it was later in your career. So, yeah, I mean, that's your only single out on the radio and Garth wants to cut it. I mean, I get it. It was the
1: only, like, hit song I had at, the point, at that point. And oh. so I was like, oh, no. How am I going to tour or whatever? Because I will, will forget that I go to this song. So, but anyway.
0: Well, I can definitely see where you're coming from then.
1: <laughs> well, he's a good man. He's a good man. He gave me some grace. <laughs> <At> that boy. <point. laughs> he always gives me great exactly like, when I see him, so he's a good man.
0: Yes, he is. Anybody who ever talks to me about Garth always has nothing but good things to say about him. Uh next I want to talk about your follow up single, which may surprise you to know is actually my favorite song of yours.
1: Oh golly.
0: Just like Heads Carolina Tales California, you're not in Kansas anymore. It comes out in nineteen ninety six. Where does that one rank for you?
1: I you know, <laughs> I forget about that song from time to time. Um I think we had such a run with Heads Carolina when you're not in Kansas Carolina, you know, I'm like you know, people start poking fun at me, I'm like, Oh, she sings the about- states, and I'm like, you know, oh, they think I'm a geography major, or, you know, so again, but it would all moved so fast at that
0: point. Yeah, so that comes out right in your little whirlwind phase there, where you're still trying to catch your breath, but unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, you did get a chance to catch your breath after that, because 1997 wasn't as successful for you you had a couple of songs out on radio but they didn't do a lot and it may have actually been the best thing for you because you regrouped and put out three straight number one singles and set a record as the first female with three straight multi-week number one hits but that felt pretty good yeah
1: you know again still working still working hard and the, the, the still on the wheel and trying to keep things moving and during that quiet time it, it was frustrating because, you know, you're you're having, people are making decisions, musical decisions that are not musical people. Not all of them are. And so there was like, that. there was a lot of chokes in, in my career because of the be individuals fighting over what they hit single. That's not a hit single. This one is. No, that's not. This is. That's not. So we didn't pay. That was left up to a staff. So to make a record for me was brutal. Because the song had to get through, like, 12 people. And, you know, everybody had an opinion. And everybody wanted to be the one that picked that song. And so it took forever to just put a record together.
0: Two of those three songs that I mentioned were actually written or co-written by Phil Vassar. Yes,
1: yeah, thank heavens for Phil. I'm all right, and bye 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 bye. was a song, <laughs> I just saw him a couple months ago, and he's like, i never heard that as a, as, a, as a song for a girl.
0: I remember you saying that.
1: He's like, oh. I could never imagine that. And he tells that story, too. He's like, that's not a, that's not a song for a female. And, of course, now you are people like, I didn't know a guy could sing that song. <laughs> but the um, original line is, the first line of the song, Girl, you sure look pretty there standing in the door in the sunset light. And uh, we changed it to Boy, you sure look good They're standing in the doorway So it was that one And then there was I'm alright Which Fiddle did not have A record deal at the time And he kept saying He was going to save it for When he got a record deal And I was like Dude, you don't have a deal And I love the song Can we just record it Release it And blah, blah, blah And it, that took some conning I I <laughs> <laughs> him ruthlessly for that song and he, he let
0: up he gave it to you huh <laughs> he
1: did he did and here it is years later we're still dear friends
0: well and you've got some good friends in this industry and some friends with some pretty big names the other one obviously being Tim McGraw obviously he was big in in you signing I think with uh, curb records there early in your your career can you elaborate on that relationship how it got started and, and where you kind of stand with Tim today yeah.
1: He was working with my producer, Byron Gallimore, who was not my producer at the time. Byron heard me on a radio show singing some live performance or whatever and contacted me. So then Byron and I went into the studio to cut some songs. We recorded some songs to see, like, you know, he wanted to, like, uh, hunker down into, like, what is your style? Like, what do you sound best singing? So we sing all different kinds of songs. And so... He was playing those demos, those recordings for Tim McGraw while they were in the studio, and um, he's like producing them. And Tim became a fan of my voice, and so then we met. And he's like, "Man, I love the recordings you're doing." And we kind of became, you know, like acquaintances that way. And I'd always see him at Byron's office when he was recording, or when I was working down there or writing, and uh, we just became friends. And so after he had success with Indian Outlaw. Uh, 300 years ago, he was like, you know, I'd like to help Jody. I'd like to produce the stuff that you're doing with her. And so he came in to co-produce my, fir- well,
0: my my records. you <laughs> would end up singing together on some songs, including Bring on the Rain, a duet with Tim that came out in 2001 and became a number one hit for you. Beautiful song.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny because he was like, you look where both of our, where our careers were at that point. I mean, he was screaming hot. And so... He uh, was like, hey, do you mind if I go in and just toy around with some backgrounds on this song? I was like, yeah, no, don't mind at all. Go for it. <laughs> so, And then it became what it is now. So I was so grateful he did that.
0: I wish we had time to talk like about uh, all of your songs, but you've done so many great things throughout your career. Nine number one hits. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite per- song personally, Jodie?
1: No, but my honorable mention would be, um, I give it to him as much as I that because it was written by Joe Diffie. Oh. and um it was written and recorded by him before i recorded it and his label at the time was like no we're not going to release this and so it ended up being an album cut and somebody's like man we really love this song and think that someone should release it and so they played it for me and i recorded it we did you know uh non-explicit versions and whatever i don't know and then what we did a couple versions of, of this song and Um, and it came out as a huge success for me and I will forever be grateful because that was another resurgence of my career that song was another like okay here she is again you know (laughs) (laughs) and so I will forever be grateful to Joe Diffie and his amazing songwriting ability.
0: We miss him. It's not the same without him. Tonight's guest in the Honky Tonk Time Machine has been Jody Messina, who will be performing at the Lincoln Theater in Belleville on August 26th. Come see
1: us. It's the day after my birthday, so maybe we'll have cake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she had me there'll be cake ladies and gentlemen jody messina lincoln theater belleville illinois august 26 tickets remain available at k103fm.com jody we can't wait to see you oh i
1: can't wait either we'll see you soon friend
0: take care jody bye